Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Nissan get their first win. I was the only driver in the team without a, a W in the win column, so um, that was something that uh, I wanted to clearly achieve, but um, I thought maybe we might have been in a better position to score a couple of podiums before. <laughs> this is my first podium and my first win, so um, having said that, I wouldn't change it, change it for the world. Courtney has his first for the year. The results were going to come, it was just a matter of time. And Frosty grabs his second. A near faultless race, so um, it's nice when they go that way. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. James Moffat has become the first winner in a V8 supercar race not driving a Holden or Ford. Moff taking the win in Saturday's 60-60 race. Yeah, what a great day for everybody at Nissan Motorsport and Norton, Toshiba. Yeah, it's all a bit of a dream at the moment. You can hear more from James Moffat on this week's Munro White Flag Lap. His teammate Michael Caruso won the race to the chequered flag for the first 60 kilometres and perhaps went easy on his teammate when Moff made a mistake with five laps to go. Oh, look, no doubt there was a bit of kindness. I mean, we're teammates and um, I think the last thing we want to do particularly, um, you know, when it's Nissan's first result is, uh, you know, drive into each other and um, hand, hand it over to Jason because, um, you know, look, he wasn't that far away in all, all seriousness. So, um, no, look, you know what, I'm sure if he was in the same position, he wouldn't have thrown it into my door and, and that's pretty much the way I treated him. So, um, you know, he, I don't want to take anything away from his win because we both had good speed. We pretty much followed each other around in the first race. Mark Scaife talked about what Nissan's win meant to the sport. Oh, look, Craig, it, uh, you know, I couldn't be more happier. It's just fantastic that, uh, that uh, you know, for a car company to uh, re-engage with the preeminent touring car category in, the, in, in this part of the world and also for us to be able to say after 21 years and 22 years since they won two, um, for them to have that record is uh, is fantastic. I, I'm, I'm so pleased for, for Todd Kelly and, and Rick and the rest of the team because it's a, a very symbolic day and uh, and for all that engage with us as the Nissan Motor Company guys, Jeff Fisher and Ian Morellan and Bill Peffer and all the team, um, very, very proud that uh, they've been able to, to boast you know their first win uh, back in the new era. Also, it means that a Moffat now has a V8 supercar win. <laughs> exactly. I think the last win for Moffat was... Uh, 1984, which uh, which obviously a long time away from the record books, but also a great you know dynasty to have, 
you know, young James uh, on the winners list, the 70th winner in history, and uh, and you know, for us, uh, a very very proud day from V8 Supercars. James Warburton also spoke to the V8 Insiders about its significance. Oh, look, it's obviously fantastic. I think the whole car of the future platform. What we're seeing this year is just such a diversity of wins, close racing, exciting finishes, and it's just it's it's really brilliant for everyone. It's great news. Mark Widenbottom was the winner of race 26 and was thrilled that he could catalyse on his good qualifying start. Yeah, I've had uh, good starts all year, so um, I was feeling reasonably confident actually off the second row, which is bizarre, but um, yeah, it gripped in and uh, this is a very hard place to start and once you know you've got grip and you've got momentum, you try and carry it on and um, yeah, it's great to, to get the start because passing's near impossible and I knew it had to be done there, so thankfully I got a good start and um, and, you know, the car was very good. By the end of the weekend, there were three winners from three races when James Courtney took his first win of the year, becoming the 12th different winner this season. The car had, um, you know, it was fantastic all day. The guys have done a great job. Um, you know, we've been building and building and building and we've got, still got more stuff to come. So it's, uh, you know, it's a fantastic time for Holden Racing Team and, and um, you know, like you said, great time of year to be coming on strong with Murph on board at Bathurst. The controversy of the weekend focused around the Norton Hornets and the SP Tools AMG of Murrow Ingle being allowed to use E70 fuel instead of the standard E85 as V8 supercars looked to find a way that the four valve cars could improve their fuel economy ahead of the Enduros. The success of the Nissans caused the previously agreed to allowance for the E70 fuel to be revoked on Saturday evening and the three cars returned to E85 on Sunday. The V8 Insider spoke with both Nissan and the V8 Supercars who advised us that the fuel performed as expected. But it's unclear if this will be the solution to the economy issues for the new manufacturers in three weeks' time at Sandown. In the Dunlop series, Dale Wood claimed his first round win in fine style. I really, I'm taking it round by round. I, I quite often have to just stop and say, oh yeah, you know, you're leading the championship. And a few years ago, if you told me that was going to happen in, uh, in in maybe the year that we're you know we're having, it's a pretty competitive year. I would I wouldn't have bloody believed it. So I'm so happy about that, but. I still, uh, I still go round by round, and I know I want to be up there on the uh, on the top step like I was this weekend. I don't want to get complacent. I'm not about to to go uh, laying down and just think points. So now I really want to get out there and uh, and still win some more races yet. And that's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C. After the break, Adrian Mussolino and Peter Norton will join me. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders this week, live from the... Winton Media Centre and joined by V8 
ex-editor in Adrian Mussolino and from Inside Motorsport, Peter Norton. And Peter, three different manufacturers winning across three different races. It was an interesting weekend. It sure was interesting. Uh, a lot of variety, a lot to keep uh, all the fans interested. Um, and, yeah, people... Uh, say that the racing can be a bit boring well not really but when you have that much variety and uh, you know plenty of drama behind uh, how those results came around we still have a problem that we have 60 kilometers of racing which is absolutely pointless literally literally and figuratively yeah obviously the super sprint still continues to divide opinion and i really don't see a, a solution here i think it's um, the fans have really turned against it from judging by social media and their response and you're right that first half is the problem I think it could, an easy solution is simply to cut it and just have the double file rolling restart and uh, have the double file rolling start yeah absolutely And um, but then it just becomes a normal sprint race so what's so super about it <laughs> so uh, I think yeah that'll be looked at in the, in the off season and Again, I can see it just morphing into a sprint race at some stage. I think a more interesting variation would be to, uh, instead of stop the race, people pull off the track and service the cars to a small extent, um, have it where it's a, a safety car. Um, people can change to new tyres if they want to, uh, but likewise you can stay out to hold your track position and you have your double file restart. Um, yeah, I think it becomes too disjointed in its current format there are other ways that uh, could keep some life into it. I guess the the big news, the big ticket news coming into this weekend was the Commission had made a decision on what they were going to do for the overhead cam engines and it certainly is, it certainly is, you know, it is for one thing which is economy and, of course, the whole weekend got hijacked in some ways because Moffat and Caruso won first and second at Nissan on the Saturday race. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Nissan's first win is sort of going to be now clouded by that. And uh, I think, you know, Supercars insist there's been no performance gain and we have to take their word for it. And all all the indicators are that there is no performance gain and it's strictly about economy. It's a shame, therefore, that it appears on the surface that there was some sort of gain, but... Yeah, it's a tough one. Why this was done at a race event, to me, is the main question here, especially when Nissan was testing here last week. There would have been a very easy solution to simply extend that test or incorporate it into that test, so race weekends unaffected. Um, and again, we're one event out from the Enduros, and we're trying to find a solution here to a problem that we've known about since the start of the season, so that, to me, is the bigger concern here. Isn't the ludicrous nature of it that they decided they were going to do one thing. The team then prepared for it. Because of a backlash, they then changed it and then said, oh, for Nissan to prove that there was no performance difference, they had to perform exactly the same in a series that now has 12 different race winners and, on top of that, no two days are the same at any racetrack... And on top of that, they would have tuned their engine at the beginning of the weekend for one fuel, and overnight they had to completely remap their engines because they were now going to a different fuel. Didn't the whole exercise get hijacked when they said, no, they've got to change back? I think you hit the nail on the head there that overnight they were forced to, to retune, remap 
uh, for going back to the, the uh, standard fuel that everyone else has. Uh, that one, you, we would imagine, would upset them. Um, there's been a lot of debate about the different angles to this argument, and I guess even if the fuel didn't give them more horsepower, um, they carried less weight in the race than they would otherwise have had. But then again, that becomes a bit moot because they qualified so well, and that difference in weight carried... Um, would be such a small percentage of weight in qualifying trim. So I think it comes back to uh, having both of those uh, yellow Nissans at the front. I think Blind Freddy can see that uh, there must have been a bit of performance enhancement there somehow. Of course, uh, speaking to James this evening, he goes, but I went faster in pure speed terms in Sunday's second qualifying, yet a tenth of a second slower in a complete lap. Yeah, and a tenth of a second in qualifying is a massive difference this year, given how competitive it is, and um, look at how many teams are winning races and on the podium and competitive. So, again, it's a very difficult one to judge when we don't have the full facts and figures, but clearly there's something that's gone on this weekend with the fuel. As I said, to me the main question is why was this done on a race weekend? I just can't comprehend that. And my point, Peter, is if they said they could run nitrous oxide and they ran nitrous oxide and won, what's the complaint <laughs> that you said they could do it? Well, that's right. Everyone signed off. Now, of course, there could have been a bit of duress to get those signatures, but uh, anyway, that's something that would happen behind closed doors. Who, who knows what really happened there? Um, now, I think we have to add that, um, yeah, that their Sunday performance was not shabby. Uh, they were still you know top 10-ish um it wasn't like they went from last to first and then back to last uh so it's uh many elements to this debate yeah the big thing though adrian nissen soaring with the eagles on saturday when they had uh, a first and second finish by sunday night three cars in the fence or in the infield with the uh, bits torn off them and only Moss car, you know, eventually getting run over by the cars with new tyres at the last race, finishing the race. Yeah, from, from zero to zero um, for, the, for the team. But, you know, as, as I said, that's why it's so competitive this year and that's just proof that on one day you can have a commanding one-two and then get it wrong in quality and you're in the mid-pack and you are sort of at the mercy of the first lap carnage and we saw a bit of that today and the Nissans were involved and um, Caruso was uh, a victim on the last lap by Craig Lowndes I believe and there's a bit of tension there um, so yeah again it's mis- it's you know unfortunate but I think they'll happily walk away from this weekend damaged cars irrespective with the knowledge that they've broken that duck and um, this was the track where they were going to be the strongest and to be honest, they will struggle for the remainder of the year on either power track, so at least they capitalised on it and got that win. Now, th- there's one team, of course, that's very happy for all this controversy to be going on, and that's Triple Eight, because it's a smoke sc- screen of just how awful their weekend was. Uh, you know, I-, I cannot remember a weekend where... Uh, across you know, three cars, if you uh, include Casey Stoner in, into that uh, equation, I can't remember a, a, a race weekend where they've consistently had such a shocker. It was almost a Briggs Motorsport weekend for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what we should read into it. Obviously, Adrian Burgess wasn't here this weekend. You know, I don't want to um, claim that that's the excuse, but 
Um, I think we've got to factor in home ground advantage here as well. First year of Car the Future and the Victorian team's tested here. And it's funny that the only Queensland team that was competitive here was Dick Johnson Racing, who has a technical alliance with FPR, who tests here regularly. So I think home ground advantage this year has proven even more important, given that the car of the future is such a new thing and teams are still trying to get their head around it. And clearly the Victorian teams have found a setup in testing that proved um, worthwhile. You know, Nissan, HRT, FPR... Um, and as I said, DJR was the only Queensland team on the podium and that definitely relates to their link with FPR. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, we're still here at Winton. The, uh, well, the crowd has dissipated. I have to say, Peter, I thought it was a disappointing crowd. You were out there in amongst the throng. What was your take? Um, I think the crowd was down. That, that was my gut feel. It wasn't as bad as, it, it wasn't as, bad as what I felt uh, looking at it from a distance, but uh, as I got around the track a little bit more, yeah, there was a good number of people uh, along the fences, but, yeah, it wasn't as packed as it was in years gone by. Adrian? Yeah, the, the problem for this event is it's been moved around the calendar so much now. And you know, last year we were here in November. The, the year before that was May. So um, it's very difficult for an event promoter to get a crowd and market it when it's chopping and changing by such huge gaps. So I think it needs to find a time of year and settle into to get the crowd back. And, you know, it, it was pretty cold and wet here on Friday. And I think that put a lot of people off and... Um, it really needs to be closer to summer than than in August. Yeah, I, I think the uh, one of the strong cards here is the ability to camp, uh, the ability to park your car along some of the fence lines. So uh, I think there is an angle to promote this, but in the middle of winter, uh, definitely not. A very hardy souls that were camping uh, in the mud and the slop and the cold this weekend. Mm. Well, a couple of other big things that happened across the weekend, of course. We did see Tony D'Alberto get a front row qualifying position and unfortunately wasn't able to get the podium transferred out of that, Adrian, but that was a, a heartening performance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's easy to forget with D'Alberto that they're the only single car team left. And although they've partnered off with Walkinshaw, it's still very... Um, they have a technical alliance, but still they're sort of slogging away on their own. So great achievement. And again, you know, car of the future is sort of undoubtedly closed that pack when you look at a D'Alberto snagging a front row and, what, 12 different winners? I mean, I remember being here in November staring down four different winners for the whole season and how depressing that was to be honest you know how to fill a magazine <laughs> when there's so few stories this year it's just you look up and down the paddock and there's so much going on so um it, it's great for the series you know three different winners over a weekend and 12 over the season and for someone like Dalberto to be up there is exactly what the sport needs mm. Peter. Oh, well, there's very few drivers left now that don't have at least one win under their belts, and uh, I, I don't think it's long to, until Tony knocks that one off. 
of course, the precious mounting, as you have only Dalberto, Reynolds, um, Prema, and then of course Slade, along with uh, Maro Engel. It's there's not many drivers out there that don't have a race win. In fact, James Moffat was joking with me that uh, he remembers when he was talking about coming to the team and you had Bathurst winners, champions, race winners and he was the odd man out really at that team because he had a goose egg in the W column. Yeah, I think the one for me that stands out is Dave Reynolds who um, you know, is still without that win and he was pretty... Um, invisible this weekend to be honest he wasn't really that competitive and given it's their home test track that was a bit of a surprise um, I, I think I fear for Dave that we're going to get to Bathurst and he's going to think back to last year and regret that he didn't make a lunge on that final lap against Jamie um, you know still looking for that first win and you know considering we've had what Coulthard's broken his duck Chaz Scott um and um, yeah, so I think he's sort of the odd one out at the moment. Well, of course, it was an interesting morning race, if you like, Peter, or early race, if you like, uh, where we saw Bright on the pole. He couldn't convert his pole position, and that was frustrating for him, but Frosty got the win. Uh, yes, I think Jason Bright, uh, when he has his uh, test day here at Winton, uh, hopefully it won't rain, and hopefully they can do a lot of uh, practice starts, uh, because I think that's what he'll be really kicking himself about uh, coming out of this weekend. Uh, qualified so well, uh, but uh, both races, uh, both the Sunday races, his starts were ordinary, um, and uh, when, when he's back in the pack a bit, he has to take a few risks, and uh, sometimes it uh, doesn't really work. What a winner bottom start, though, was brilliant off the second row, and he just carved him. Yeah, and then it was away, and, and that's the thing with this format, is if there's no safety car, no pit stops, then you can make a run for it, and... Um, yeah, great performance from Winterbottom. But again, how competitive this season is. The next race he qualifies 19th and he can only get up to 17th. So again, it's just all over the shop. So, um, But, you know, he's right in there now, along with Davo. I think 70 points separates the top four. So um, this is on. And now that we go the Enduros and one DNF or one mistake and you lose a bucket load of points, um, that's the exciting thing for me at the moment I think how open this championship is heading to those crucial races what we saw uh, here today I think is that um, while there are benefits with the soft tyre that uh, particularly at the end of the second race where uh, some of the field uh, bolted on some less worn so much fresher tyres than the other guys you know, that, that's uh, really sparked a lot of interest but until then um, the soft tyres leave a lot of debris on the track um, when you're offline it's not marbles they're boulders of uh, worn rubber and it becomes a, a one-line track, and you just can't pass um, you know, when both, both cars have the same tyres. And that's always been one of the complaints with no pit stops. Everyone's tyres pretty much degradate at the same rate. Yeah, and that's why the, the last race, um, race 27, was interesting because that safety car allowed some teams to throw that strategy gamble and pit and get on some new rubber, so... Again, I think you need that variable in there. You need that sort of element of strategy. Otherwise, you can get these processional races where the leader gets away and if they're not degrading, then nothing's really going to change that pecking order. So, yeah, it's interesting. Now we go into the endurance mode where it's all about longer stops and making tyres last and 
fuel economy, sadly, with the new manufacturers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a completely different ball game now, and it's, that puts the pressure back on the teams that they've got to perform. We need to talk about uh, uh, James Courtney's win, Peter, because uh, that's number 12, and whilst he's been positive and he's always spoken positive about what we've got coming up, we need to just put these things in place. They are delivering now. There's real momentum getting behind that team now. And, and it's interesting that uh, much earlier in the season when uh, uh, they were down on their luck, they couldn't get a result. You know, there was talk that uh, you know, the team's struggling. You know, what would their future hold? Um, you know, would they sell? And uh, would Walkinshaw exit the sport? All those sorts of negative talk. Um, they've come out swinging. Uh, both in setting up the team well for, for next year with Adrian Burgess, but also uh, the things they're working on is giving them car speed now, and uh, yeah, they're consistently there. Uh, I think James Courtney said that uh, he's been on the podium uh, every race weekend since uh, you know, a point in time when they did some testing. Um, yeah, they're a force to be reckoned with again. Hey, how about that? And uh, I guess that's one good thing for crowd numbers is when HRT gets on a roll, they seem to bring some people through the gate. Yeah, I guess all that old merch will be coming out of the closet and uh, getting out there, so that's good. Good, great factory. You need the factory teams up there. That's what it's all about, factory four team, factory holding team. And, yeah, their fan base is massive, so it's great for them. The fact that both drivers have won a race now is great as well, and I think, um, as Peter was saying, it's really the the resurgence is almost complete now and throw Adrian Burgess into that mix and that's looking quite dangerous for next season and it's exactly what the sport needed to be honest you know we needed a challenge at Triple Eight we've got that in FPR um, and HRT's back there Nissan you know the fact they've already won a race you know next year with a whole year load of data um, it's looking good it's exactly what the sport needed And what's also great about Courtney's uh, recent success uh, is that he knows how to celebrate. Um, he was thrilled to bits with the with the pole position. You know, he carries on and has all of the interesting poses. Uh, uh, you know, when he gets out of the car, he stands on the roof and does his little dance and uh, sprays the champagne enthusiastically. Um, sadly, that stuff that's been missing uh, with some of the other winners that we've seen. It's great to have some theatrics. Mm. Well, we always talk about a pantomime villain and a pantomime hero, and if we don't have them, you're really just left with bland. Yeah, and Courtney's an interesting figure in that he divides a lot of fans. I think, obviously, the the move to DJR and the potential move to FPR, that didn't happen, and then the move to HRT. Um, he really became that sort of divisive figure amongst Ford and Holden fans, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see him up there. He has that personality, and um, again, you know, a 12th different winner. I still struggle to comprehend that we've had that many. I, I when I write that, I still have to think who the hell were the 12, and you've got to stop and think and remember. And it's great. Well, Chaz Mostert getting another podium was another highlight of the weekend, and right down to the wire, Garth Tander with brand new tyres, and he he blocked, he fought, he scratched his way to uh, keep that third place. Yeah, and again, you know, backing up from Queensland Raceway, we'll, you know, a lot of people thought that was a fluke given home ground advantage and um, that he might struggle to sort of carry that given the media attention around him over his future and where he would go next year. But great performance again, you know, from one of the Queensland teams and 
that relationship with FPR is clearly doing wonders for DJR, and it's great to see, given that you know we face the very real possibility that they wouldn't be on the grid this year. So to come away with a win, um, again, in one of those great stories that this year's thrown up. Mm. Peter, we need to uh, wrap it up here, but uh, what do we take going into the uh, Per Tech Endurance Cup? Well, the sky's the limit in many respects. Um, We're talking about 12 different winners. Um, I'm just wondering myself, does that mean that we've got... Uh, the most open Bathurst ever. You know, those sorts of phrases keep coming out. Um, and I guess places like Bathurst and Sandown, it's less important about where you qualify. Uh, but uh, I think that the cream always rises to the top. Um, the teams with the resources and the, the history of, of near perfection, they're the ones that can get a 1,000 kilometres of uh, straights and corners closest to perfect. Uh, some of the, the younger people, the rookies, they'll still make a few mistakes. So I'd, I'd be surprised if we had a, a big upset with the Endurance Cup. Mm, but a rookie won the race just two years ago with Garth Tander and Nick Perkett. Yeah, and I think the the thing we've got to think about this year as well is this will be the first real, real test of the car of the future. A 1,000k round Bathurst is the ultimate punishment for cars, so... You know, let's see if the gearboxes and the transaxles and the you know suspensions hold up okay, and um, that throws an extra sort of variable into the mix, given how competitive it is and the new manufacturers where they'll be with fuel economy and there's so many subplots and you look at the co-driver list as well. There's some very good drivers coming into this championship now, um, and, and some very good pairings. You know, Murph, for example. You know. Uh, what sort of experience and pairing with Courtney and and, you know you just think you know they're right up there so it's going to be very interesting and um, as I said I think the championship will be decided in these next three events. Mm. Well it's great to catch up with you both here at Winton and uh, well Adrian Mussolini I look forward to catching up with you in uh, well for the latter part of this season. Yeah it's going to be an interesting one and uh, you know who knows what's going to happen how many more winners are there going to be? You know, are Triple Eight going to do it again and hang on, or is this year of FPR or is HRT going to storm home? I think we just don't know, and Winston proved that anything can happen. Peter Norton, pleasure as always. Yes, I'm looking forward to the uh, Endurance Cup. Um, it's the best part of the year, really. The white flag laps up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lap, James Moffat, well, he grabbed his first V8 Supercar main game victory on Saturday and we spoke to him about the feeling and was it what he expected? Thanks very much. Um, it was something that uh, I didn't really joke about at the start of the year, but coming into Nissan Motorsport with uh, my three teammates, um, obviously Michael, Todd and Rick, all race winners in the championship and Rick a championship winner and Todd a Bathurst winner so 
I was the only driver in the team without a, a W in the win column. So um, it was something that uh, I wanted to clearly achieve, but um, I thought maybe we might have been in a better position to score a couple of podiums before. <laughs> this is my first podium and my first win. So um, having said that, I wouldn't change it, change it for the world. Is there any difference in winning at the top level of Australian motorsport to any of the other levels? Oh, I, I think there is because, uh, you know, it's always good winning, but, um, you know, we've all worked very hard as drivers to get to this point. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, I'm no different in that area. So um, this is, in all reality, a bit of a dream come true because, yeah, this is what you work for. Um, you obviously always have... Um, belief in yourself that you can do the job and um, you know this year there's sort of been up and down for us there's been some really promising results and then some results that um, have been a little disheartening for us but uh, it's all um, because of the development curve we're on with the new cars and you know coming into this weekend um, I guess we were semi-confident of a good result but um, yeah I didn't dare to dream of anything like this. A first win for you this year was always going to mean a first win for Norton, potentially, to be the Nissan, Norton and Moffat first win altogether. It probably doesn't sink in until next week, does it? Oh, well, I guess, especially for Norton and I, like, uh, without them I wouldn't be standing here today. That That's the, the, the honest truth. Um, they've been fantastic supporters of mine and just fantastic sponsor to work with so um, I said earlier that this win is not really for me this is for everybody that's helped me get to this point in my career and they all know who they are I don't need to mention every single one of them but yeah my, my family just just everybody that has um, helped make me into the person that I am today yeah, I can't thank them enough. And you're the third of what we see as the young guns, really only Scott Pye, now the only guy that hasn't got a goose egg out of the W column. Oh, well, maybe one day you'll get one, but uh, we just concentrate on what we can do. Um, we've got a job to do tomorrow, obviously 200k races, and we need to come back and um, we can certainly make the car a bit better, I think, but uh, clearly it's not too shabby at the moment, so we don't need to reinvent the wheel, just... Um, Give it a couple of tickles and hopefully she's shiny tomorrow. Congratulations, James Moffat. Thanks, mate. Cheers. My thanks to James, also to Adrian and Peter Norton there as the Checker Flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.